Hey everyone, welcome back to In Her Wallet, a weekly podcast helping women around the world take control of their finances for good and build better financial futures one episode at a time. My name is Sophia. I'm your host, the founder of In Her Wallet and an accredited investment representative here in Canada. What we're chatting about today is how to invest for the remainder of 2023. There is no denying that investing is one of the best ways to build wealth and achieve your larger financial goals. But with rising inflation and economists going back and forth on when the recession is coming. There are so many questions surrounding us these days. We are trying to find what investments are the safest during time like that. We're trying to understand if we should stay invested, if it's time to sell, to move to a fixed income. So it's just a time of uncertainty. And I have a perfect guest for you today to answer all of these questions. Lyndall Gray is a senior portfolio manager and wealth advisor at RBC Dominion Securities. She's passionate about helping her clients protect their wealth grow it and preserve their desired lifestyles. She's worked her way up from being a summer student to now being a senior portfolio manager. So she's definitely someone we can trust with answering all of our questions. Lindell, thank you so much for joining in her wallet. I'm very excited to have you on. Before we dive into all things investing, let's do a little bit of an icebreaker so our community can get to know you better. Tell me, what's your go-to coffee order? You know what? I love... Aussie iced coffee. I don't know if you've ever had it, but it's like a traditional iced coffee with a couple of scoops of vanilla ice cream in it. And then if you're, you know, really adventurous, put some whipped creaming on top. It's delicious. Oh my God. But do you have that every day? Oh gosh, no, no, no. Okay. It's like a special treat. I like that. And what's a movie you can rewatch again and again? Do you have one like that? I do. Pirates of the Caribbean and not even one in particular. The entire series is amazing. Yes, similar as the Harry Potter or the um, the Twilight series, mm-hmm. like all these series from back in the day are so good. I totally am with you on the same page. <laughs> and my last question is, if you could go anywhere in the world right now, where would that be? Australia, in a heartbeat. I have friends and family there. I love scuba diving and I just find the culture is very similar to here. So it's a really friendly place to go and I feel safe. I've never been, so I should put it on my list for sure. Okay, Lyndall, thank you so much for answering this. Uh, Before we dive in to our talk about the economy and the markets, why don't you tell us a little bit more about who you are and what you do at RBC Dominion Securities for those folks who do not know and have not heard of you before? Sure, sounds good. I started my career in banking and worked my way through financial planning to become a senior portfolio manager and wealth advisor with RBC Dominion Securities. I've been helping clients with their investments and building their net worth for 19 years. At Dominion Securities, I work alongside my brother, Chris, and two of our business partners, Bruce and Wendy, and our team of four associates. We draw on collective experience. We all come from different backgrounds within banking, so we, we draw on all of that experience to safeguard our clients' wealth. Uh, really with a hands-on and a family-first approach. Family approach kind of runs through my blood, started with my dad, then my brother, and and now I'm here. So collectively, we just were able to provide the advice to clients and help them build the future that they want. I love that. I haven't met a family-run advisor group before, so that's very unique, I must say. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Linda, let's now dive into our conversation about the current state of the economy and the markets. The biggest thing surrounding uh, the markets now is whether we've hit the recession. So before we answer that question, can we break down of what a recession is and why does it have a negative undertone for investors? For sure. By definition, a recession is two consecutive quarters of slowing economic growth. They tend to have a negative undertone for investors because the stock markets usually fall, cash flow tightens and market volatility increases. Stock market movements considered a leading indicator, which really means that stocks tend to fall before the economic recession actually begins. And this is really a result of investors pricing in the expected decrease of company earnings and cash flow and then they trade in anticipation of that economic tightening. So while we do not believe that we're in a uh, recession at the moment, it is likely that we're going to see one at the back half of this year and maybe even into 2024. What are some of the factors that consider that we might be getting close to that uh, period of time? But as you just mentioned, some of the factors that suggest is investors' emotions that, you know, stocks are going to go down, things are going to be tightening. And that's exactly what we've been experiencing for the past few months. Is there anything else that should suggest that we, we are closing the recession period? Absolutely. There are a number of factors that really determine whether a recession has occurred or not. And usually they're discovered in hindsight. You know, you'll we'll hear in the news, we are now in a recession after all this data has been analyzed. But ultimately, there are a number of factors that are consistently assessed as we get as we go through an economic period. And a few of them are the yield curve inversion, which really means that long term rates are lower than what short term rates are currently being offered at in the market. Unemployment claims and unemployment rate. Many of these have turned cautionary already or fully indicative of a recession to come. Um, but one of the indicators today that actually still represents growth is the unemployment rate. So we're, we're not in one yet. It might come as we get through this year. But here in Canada, the United States, unemployment numbers are still really low, which represent a really tight labor market. I do have to mention the, one of the biggest things in the market right now is inflation. It really continues to be a concern and central banks are constantly assessing whether the rate hike is needed further to pull that inflation back down to the long-term target of 2%. Bank of Canada just raised the rates another 0.25% and are expected to do another raise in July. The Federal Reserve, so central banks in the United States, did not raise rates this week, but they're actually pricing in to do a, a rate hike in July. So constantly reassessing how these rate increases um, over the last year and a bit are, are affecting the underlying economy. And ultimately, as interest rates come up to combat inflation, what they're looking for is corporate and personal borrowing rates to slow down, cash flow to tighten up, and ultimately lead to a, a recession. I noticed that the U.S. Uh, bank did not raise in, uh, interest rates yesterday. So I was going to ask, is that kind of the light in the end of the tunnel? Might we be able to surpass? But you actually uh, pointed out that they might be still raising it in July. So thanks for doing that. My next question is, what would the arrival of a recession mean for people in our audience, for you, for me, for a regular person? We do expect a recession in the U.S. to be relatively mild and short in, in duration. What we are starting to notice in the stock markets is that 
fewer sectors or fewer types of companies are actually still increasing, which means it's slowly starting to tighten up. We would expect growth stocks to fall and see money rotating into defensive sectors and either defensive sectors or even more fixed income or cash-like investments. Uh, Holding portfolio of a mixture of stocks and fixed income generally is ideal, all depends on everybody's individual situation, but fixed income securities are debt instruments that provide a regular income at fixed intervals throughout a year. And as interest rates have climbed seven times last year alone, we saw that market values of bonds actually fell. Um, And that was a result of people replacing that type of investment with bonds that are starting to pay higher interest levels. So as bonds have come down through last year, they represent a really attractive or really appealing investment for people um, at this time now, which ultimately means that you don't necessarily need to take on the same level of risk by owning a stock. You can actually get the same level or a similar level of income by moving back into the fixed income market. What I want to touch base on now is generally what happens with the stock market when we head into the recession. I know it's oftentimes accompanied by a bear market. So for those people who do not know what a bear market is, can we highlight that and perhaps talk about it in terms of investors' emotions? Obviously, there's probably fear, anxiety about what's going to happen in the future. Maybe when we're going to discuss that definition of a bear market, can we split it into different stages of how that happens? Absolutely. Uh, So a bear market is essentially when the broad market sees a decline of over 20%. Okay. Individuals are emotional when it comes to money. That's just the reality of, of our situation. So just like stock markets have cycles, investors have emotional cycles as we as we go through and um, so when markets are climbing there really tends to be this level of excitement and happiness um, that starts to build as we're starting to get closer to a peak we start witnessing a fear of missing out um, maybe some greed starting to come into the market and then eventually some anxiety starts to build about when is that peak actually going to top over so as markets start to turn We've seen increasing volatility and stock prices are falling. So that's really, as you mentioned, where we're seeing fear, anxiety, and frustration really starting to build. We see this maximized at the bottom where there's an instinctual decision to pull out of the markets or go to cash, right? This is really what we refer to as the fear index or the volatility index. And it really starts to perpetuate itself when markets are falling and picking up steam in a true bear market. That's such a great way to kind of walk us through the whole process. I love that. Thank you for doing that. Lyndall, as a wealth advisor, I know part of your job is not only helping your clients manage their financial assets, but also manage their emotions in times like that when bad times come. So what are some of the ways to approach that emotion management, if I may say so? Breathe. You know, we've been through it before, we'll get through it again. Um, But really, it's important to just take a step back, try and focus again on what's your objective? What's the ultimate purpose for your savings? Market cycles happen generally every four years or so. So assessing the timeline of what your goals or your your purpose for those savings are. And it tends to help put into perspective the type of fluctuation that you may actually be comfortable with. Over the long term, markets do rise. 
you look at any chart, whether it's the Canadian stock exchange, U.S. stock ex exchange, etc., over time markets will come up. Um, so when there's heightened volatility and you've got a short-term goal, why take the risk of the, the fluctuation? You know, um, I don't know if you want me to go into some um, specifics there, but, you know, there's some bonds or sh GIC short-term savings that are now paying 4 or 5%. So you don't need to take on the same level of risk if you've got a shorter goal. Save that type of fluctuation for purposes where you've got longer time, you can weather the storm, let the day-to-day -day fluctuations happen, and really just focus on what you want in the end. Lyndall, I was going to ask you, so is that actually the right thing to pull out of the market when it's at the all-time low? And I want to frame that question around this one study I found uh, done by JP Morgan that was conducted between 2000 and 2019, and it showcased that the S&P 500 um, earned an average annualized return of 6.06% during those years. If you missed out on the 10 best days during that period, your return shrank to 2.44%, missing the best 30 days put you in the negative territory of 1.95%, and missing the best 60 days over this 20-year period of time would have resulted in an annualized loss of 7.02%. So, Lyndall, keeping the study in mind, can we talk about the importance of being a consistent investor, not only during the good days, but also perhaps staying invested in these times of fear and anxiety and frustration? Absolutely. Volatility is a normal part of investing. One of my partners, Bruce, says, if you don't want to get wet, don't go swimming. You know, markets go up, markets go down. Um, don't get into a habit where you're chasing returns and you don't want to be in a situation where you're just pulling out just because the fear takes over. Staying invested and even contributing to your investments regularly when markets are going up and down actually tend to build a stronger portfolio over the long run. So at the end of the day, just breathe. Remember what your the purpose is for, have a reassessment of what, your risk tolerance is meaning how much are you comfortable seeing that portfolio go up or down? And ultimately, can you sleep when there's increased volatility in the markets? Your well-being, your mental well-being is perhaps probably more important than your day-to-day -day trading. So, Lyndall, we've ex explained what a recession is. We've talked about, talked about what a bear market is. Let's now talk about actual investments. What should one's portfolio then look like uh, when they are heading into a period like that during the market downturn? So I think generally you'd, you'd want to have a, a diversified portfolio of a mixture of stocks and bonds. Um, and really that means a differentiation across geographical markets, industries, and styles. And then as you're going through economic cycles, that's where you may choose to either increase the fixed income component. For now, for example, right now where we're seeing better yields available for, for uh, bonds, um, or you can switch into something more growth oriented when, when markets start to recover. So generally during economic tightening, focusing on investments that distribute dividends or interest yields tend to reduce overall volatility and that day-to-day -day fluctuation that you might see in a portfolio. So more defensive companies, for example, if you're looking at stocks, so financials or utility companies and companies like more growth oriented, for example, technology companies tend to start to fall. So when you're comfortable, start to look at peeling some of that, that money out of some technology names, for example, and moving towards companies that are, are paying some more 
dividend or interest. I think that's a really great headway into my next question. I was going to ask if we were to highlight a few key criteria for identifying companies that would do well during the market downturn, what would those be? I always think go to a company that you're going to consume it as an individual person. So look for companies like consumer staples, uh, financials, utilities. If you're going to use it as an individual when your own cash flow tightens up, chances are many investors are of the same opinion and they're looking to invest their money in the same way. Do companies who normally regularly pay dividends, do they continue to pay dividends during market downturns or not? Most do. Uh, mature companies have the ability to continue paying their dividend. Um, some companies might reduce their dividend or potentially cut altogether, but it really depends on their financial health. So generally, if you're looking at more mature companies, so in Canada, like a blue chip company, you're probably fairly safe with the type of dividend uh, distribution, but keeping in mind it might be reduced. Mm-hmm. And Lindell, now I want to talk about tax loss harvesting. Can we explain what that is? I actually think it provides an opportunity during a bear market to reduce your tax bill. So let's explain what that is and how it works. Great question. You know, investors don't like losing money and they don't like paying tax. So combining both those strategies to make it an advantageous one is absolutely an opportunity. So tax loss harvesting or tax loss selling is a strategy that uses selling at a loss as an advantage in a non-registered account. So meaning outside of an RSP or a tax-free savings account. When an investment has an unrealized capital loss, it can be sold to lock in that loss. That loss can then be used to offset a realized capital gain. And this strategy can be used at any time. But as you mentioned, when we're faced with a bear market, it presents an opportunity where we're already perhaps not very happy, but we can use a, an advantage like this to make us feel better about our current situation. Mm-hmm. And obviously, when you work with an investment advisor like yourself, probably that's done um, automatically behind the scenes. If it's a person who is using a DIY platform like RBC Direct Investing, or any other, uh, do you know if there are any special settings or forms that you need to fill in to take advantage of tax loss harvesting? I don't think there are any forms that need to be completed. Um, when you are filing your income tax, you'll just need to pay attention to what you paid for the investment, what you sold it at, and have those numbers available for whether you're, you're completing your income tax filing yourself or you're handing it over to an accountant. Right. So at the time of sale, there is nothing really that needs to be done. It's we're taking advantage of tax loss harvesting when we're filing the tax return for that year. Yes. Now, I do. I do just want to mention that it's on a calendar year basis. Right. So if you're going through the, the year, for example, 2023 and markets are slightly positive, but we're expecting a bit of a downturn, I would suggest that there isn't a rush to lock in a loss you have really until the end of 2023 to be able to lock in the loss. And actually the time of year that we tend to see a lot of that tax loss selling activity happens is in the fall. So October through the beginning of December is really when we start to see that activity ramp up. And it's really taking a look back at all the trading that you've done throughout that year to look to see where you can take an advantage of um, your overall tax position. 
And again, it's in a non-registered portfolio only. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Thank you so much for bringing that detail. Lindell, do you have any final tips or insights for our audience on how to uh, stay invested or start investing for the remaining of this year? Yes. Markets have a history of fluctuating and then climbing to new highs. So be wary of any trends and chasing returns. If you're concerned, look for advice, right? Um, do your research. Look to build in a, in a portfolio that's diversified, that can really weather the storm. Have a look at your goals, right? Focus on the long term. Uh, short term volatility really can be emotional, but doesn't have to be detrimental to your overall financial health of your portfolio. Yes, I think at this time of the year, emotional management is more important than probably money management. So that's a very good point. Maybe that's how we'll name this episode. We'll see. <laughs> Lindell, there are two questions I ask every guest at the end of the episode. And the first one is, what does financial freedom mean to you? Financial freedom to me means being able to sleep at night, knowing that I have enough savings to provide for my family and my lifestyle, but also to have a wealth plan that I'm minimizing taxes and I want to maximize my overall wealth, not just now, in the short term, but also in the, the decades to come. And what do you think every woman should do to achieve that level of financial freedom? Set goals. Have an understanding of what your investments are for. You know, there there could be a component that's really just for fun, right? You want to you want to try investing in a company or a bond or what have you, but ultimately have an overall objective to where you want to be in the future, right? Be self-disciplined. Save regularly. Understand what your cash flows are, cash in and cash out. Speak to somebody, speak to an experienced advisor when you're accumulating savings and planning to transfer wealth uh, or coming into a windfall. You know, we've got, I've had lots of experience where people are, are inheriting and they're looking for an experience to um, start building in otherwise a really overwhelming period of time. So start planning. Have some fun with it, breathe through it. It is a process and it is fluid. What we look at doing one day can absolutely change the next. So have some flexibility. Mm -hmm. And Lyndall, if anyone in our audience is actually in place to come and talk to a professional like you, how can they get in touch with you? What's the best way to reach out? Yes, thanks for asking. Um, we have a website. It's graywealthpartners.com. So we are part of RBC Dominion Securities. We also have a Facebook page and I also have a LinkedIn page. Fantastic. We'll, we'll link all of that in the episode description. So make sure to check it out. Lindell, thank you so much for being with us today. We've actually been so efficient with our time. I like how we went through all the questions and got straight to the point, very direct. So I hope everyone enjoyed it. Thank you for being with us, Linda. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you all for being with us today. If you found this episode useful, please make sure to share it with your family and friends. In Her Wallet podcast is available on all major streaming platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube in video version. If you want to see our pretty faces and Amazon Music, amongst others. As always, I want you to give yourself credit for showing up for yourself and your future because every time you do that, you increase what's financially possible for you. Thank you all for being with us today and I'll see you next Wednesday.